episode 47 of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name's Brandon Chowan. And joining me tonight, we have Ash Collins and Mark Nadu. Ash, how are things going this evening? Get away from her, you bitch. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Hi. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. We're all fine here. Good. Yeah. And how about you, Mark? How are things on your end? Break dance with me. <laughs> Let's go hard. Oh, oh shit, oh, shit. Hey, hey, yeah, Mark is here. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Hey. Happy LV426 day. Yes, happy Aliens Day to you as well. Sorry, I was I didn't do my cardio today, so I was doing some dancing in the kitchen before we started. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so if you don't know, today we are recording on April 26th, and this is Aliens Day. And obviously, it's um, a reference to the planet where the aliens originally from, correct? LV-426? Yeah, that would be correct. All right. So, real quick before we move ahead, name your favorite film in the Alien Predator universe and name your most underrated – what do you think is the most underrated film in that universe? Ash, start with you. Uh, I'm going to have to go with Aliens is my favorite, um, followed closely by Alien. It's very, very close, but I mm-hmm. like – the sequel better than I like the first movie. Just by a smidge. Um, uh, absolutely love it. They, they, the first movie did like the haunted house in space thing. And yeah. the second movie does the zombie horde setup, mm-hmm. And it just, it just follows that theme. And it works beautifully. Um, yeah. Acting script, everything. I love aliens. Um, the probably, I mean, are we including predator in this or just the alien sure. movies? Yeah. Alien okay. predator universe. It's all one universe in my head. Okay. So, um, the probably the most underrated one would actually have to be the um, one that um, oh god, what's his face did uh, the Predators movie that came out in 2010. Oh um, yeah, With yeah. I, I, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people like poo poo that one, but mm-hmm. I thought uh, you know after the two Alien versus Predator movies and kind of the ho hum sequel that was Predator Two, I thought Predators was actually a very nice return to form for for the predators. So, yeah, I love that film. I think that honestly might have been my first introduction to the Predator universe when I went to go see that in theaters. I don't think I watched Predator and Predator 2 until after the fact. But yeah, I like that movie as well. All right, Mark, what about you? Uh favorite obviously Aliens. Um if it wasn't for Full Metal Jacket, I think Aliens would be my favorite war movie. <laughs> uh, I, that's, I consider it's a war film. It's, it's a siege yeah. film. You know, it's uh, it's aliens versus marines. You know, right? Uh, they were actually being filmed at the same time at the same studio. Oh wow! That's oh no, cool. kidding. Mm-hmm. No, could cool. you imagine Arlie Emery, if I pronounce his name properly, the drill sergeant from Full Metal Jacket, on like to be a pawn instead of a pawn? <laughs> you know, a pawn's badass as it is, <laughs> but to have the level of vulgarity of Arlie Emery. <laughs> In Aliens, it'd be right. a totally different movie. <laughs> I don't think it would be a better movie, though. I think it'd be quirky mm-hmm. just to say, like, you know, alternate universe me would probably enjoy it a lot. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like it, Pone, as, uh, as it is. Um, as for my underrated in the universe, I'm going to include the original Predator movies. I love Predator 2. Oh, really? I okay. love Predator 2. Um, <laughs> my first, uh, guess, taste of that film was me actually renting the Sega Genesis uh, movie tie-in. Yeah. So I knew nothing of the movie until I actually, <laughs> uh, until like years later when I actually babysat someone 
and uh, I believe I had a child, and the parents uh, had that on tape. I guess taped off Super Channel, uh, okay. which is like a Canadian HBO back in like the eighties and nineties. <laughs> gotcha. And uh, yeah, I watched Predator Two, and between you know, uh, get Danny Glover, and uh, you had um, is it Maria Alfonso who plays the pregnant uh, officer? Yeah. Yep, and, I think Bill so. Paxton, and Bill Paxton, who's awesome in everything he does. Again, <laughs> fine with aliens. Um, and Morton Downey Jr. playing like a tabloid reporter, which was a huge stretch for him, you know. And then you saw, <laughs> saw Gary Busey as a secret operative. And yeah, I love Predator 2. Awesome. So I think it's totally underrated. doesn't get enough love, but that's okay. It's got, I yeah. give a lot of love to it. <laughs> yeah, I my favorite aliens as well. Uh, I didn't realize we'd all have the same one, but that's the way it goes, I guess. Uh, and then my underrated has to be Alien 3. Everyone yeah. always shits on that film, but I really like the, uh, what is it called? The assembly cut of the production, film? No, the production cut, yeah. Production cut. I, uh, yeah. I think that's what they call it, yeah. I, I really like that version of the film a lot. Um, I don't know. I just, I like that movie. Well, I love Charles Fincher. Charles Dutton is so good in that film. Mm-hmm. He yeah, absolutely. such a bad And I have to admit, Alien 3 a better video game than Predator 2. Really? You <laughs> I don't play, think I've any oh, of them. Alien 3 on Genesis? Yeah. I, I, was a, I was a sick of kid, and uh, it was a tough game. And mm. it was a good game. Like, you were really into that world. It was really cool. That's awesome. Excellent. So, yeah, that is our salute to Aliens Day. I'm a, very happy that we got to record on Aliens Day. <laughs> very cool thing to do. All right. So, just a reminder... We are still taking votes, so we know what we are going to review on episode 49. So this week, obviously, we're talking about Perfect Blue. Next week, we're talking about My Science Project. And then the following week, which will be episode 49, we're waiting on you guys to tell us what in the hell it is you want to hear us talk about. And the overwhelming majority so far has been rock and roll. Rock and so it's rock Yeah, it sounds like that might be the winner, which is totally fine with all of us. So. Chicken dinner. Yeah. But if you don't want us to watch Rock and Roll, definitely let your voice be heard. And uh, we are taking votes all the way through till next week. So once we sit down to record the podcast next week, which will be next Tuesday, I believe, Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, we will then make the announcement on which film actually won the vote. And yeah, so that'll be what film we're talking about there. And like I said, it, it looks pretty much like it's going to be Rock and Roll, but we're going to give that voting another week to really, you know, figure it all out. So I yeah. still think a Zodiac is a sea biscuit of this race. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Bill Paxton, another one that could have been a good option for the underrated, I feel like is frailty. Yeah. I've not watched it in a long time. It's a great film. It is such a great film. And I don't think it gets talked about enough. Paxton's best role was in True Lies as the fake spy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's so gross. He's so gross. I love it. Would a would a real spy have peed himself? <laughs> anyway, I apologize in advance, uh, Brandon, if you have to edit out me chewing because my oh, wife right. just made these amazing ribs again. They're like <laughs> fucking awesome. I love so. to hear you masticate food. <laughs> <laughs> And just a shout out, we are using Zencaster to record our podcast now, and I really like it. It's, yeah, it gives us a, an easier way to edit. And so if you are a podcaster looking for a, a very simple tool to bring in multiple guests, I highly recommend Zencaster. Uh, just search for it. 
it's uh, in beta right now, so it's free. Eventually, it'll have a uh, pay service, but I'm really enjoying it. So just uh, a free, some free advertising for Zencaster there. But anyway, let's move on. So what in the world have you guys been doing this week? Anything fun in the world of media, Ash? Let's see. Uh, I ended up watching Perfect Blue for like the umpteenth time. So there was that. Yeah. Let's see. I watched, I went on like a faux werewolf kick a little bit. I watched When Animals Dream and uh, Fail. Uh, both of them are on Netflix. Um, when Animals Dream is where is like a werewolf movie, um, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's in a similar vein to Ginger Snaps. Okay. That one's foreign, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, subtitles. Uh, I think it's Swedish, maybe? Or Norwegian? I don't know. I'm I'm like Kurt Russell the thing. I get them confused. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's the acting's pretty good. Uh, it's kind of a neat, you know, town goes nuts and goes after you know the the werewolf type thing. And there's like this neat mystery around it and surrounding what's going on. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. The other one I watched was Thale, which isn't necessarily a werewolf movie, but I wasn't sure because they talked about the main character having a tail so i was like all right why not um that one is very different uh not what i was expecting at all um they it's it almost the entire movie takes place in this bunker uh that these two guys are there they accidentally discover it because they're there to they're like part of a csi cleanup crew um they you know they clean up the crime scene after somebody's already checked it out and they um they accidentally discover this German dude's bunker. Well, maybe he's not German, but I I got it in my head that this dude was like an ex-Nazi or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's doing all sorts of weird experiments and stuff down there. And the one dude's like, "Don't touch anything." He's like, "I'm not. I'm not." He's like, "I got to call this in." So the guy goes to call it in, and of course, the other dude touches something and wakes up this <laughs> uh, woman who's been in cryostasis, some kind of weird cryostasis in a bathtub, um, mm-hmm. filled with this weird fluid. And she doesn't speak English. She can't really talk to them. And, uh, you know, they're, well, not English. It's, they, she doesn't speak anything, really. Um, <clears throat> and they try to talk to her and, and figure out what's going on with her. And there's a lot of, uh, it's kind of interesting to them trying to figure out and piece together who she is and why she's down there and everything else while they're, while this is going on. So that one was pretty good. It's not necessarily, like, graphic or you know a horror film it's kind of more a uh i don't even want to say it's a thriller it's almost more of a drama but it was it was kind of neat to to watch i mean there's some there's some good moments in it Mm -hmm. um but it's one of those ones you know you have to kind of sit back and get into it for those moments to work gotcha uh and then the other one we watched uh i watched with uh, my wife was anguish uh which is also on netflix Oh, though diagnosed with an emotional disorder, Tess faces a much more sinister threat, the spirit of a young girl that threatens to consume her. Okay, this one was interesting, um, because we were looking for a ghost movie, uh, and it's definitely a ghost movie. Um, This girl, she's got some kind of mental disorder. They don't identify it, but her pills keep her from hearing voices and stuff like that, until she moves into this one house, and she starts hearing voices and all sorts of weird crap all over the place. And then this girl, um, at the very beginning of the movie... It is just out of nowhere, and I don't want to even ruin it. But the girl, yeah. the, the ghost that's after her, um, uh, it, it's it's kind of interesting. But it's not. It's a. It's more like a more of a thriller than it okay. is a, a flat out horror movie. 
Uh, hmm. And there, people are like, he's like, oh, there's jump scares. And all this. No, it's more of a building dread. And it, um, the best movie I can compare it to is kind of like a, a different take on Insidious would be the oh, best okay. way to take it. Um, they definitely don't have the budget of Insidious, mm-hmm. and they do things a little differently. Um, but I thought the actors were pretty good, and they do some neat things with it. So I mean, that one's worth, I think, checking out, too. Awesome. Very good. So is that your is that your week then? Yeah. Excellent. And Mark, let me ask before you start. Yeah. Did you get to watch Hush? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. I know. No I've had some weird like days on yeah. days off, and you have to be in the mood. And I wanted to wait for Melissa to watch it, and oh, yeah, okay, I, I never got along to it. So if you guys want to do a spoilery thing, I can just pop my heads my headphones out and no, uh, no, we'll wait. You know, it's no big deal. Do, I was just I curious. Keep dancing in the kitchen. <laughs> so no you, can, you can talk so about it for one song uh, you got about three minutes and 28 <laughs> seconds <laughs> oh don't even worry about it. we'll talk about it next time okay yeah, wanna, sorry about that around to it. it's no big deal but what uh did you end up doing anything fun this weekend in, in the world of media um yeah yeah um i only watch about three films apart from today's subject um <laughs> on my days off um, I'm trying to watch more movies that I've purchased and ne- less on Netflix just because okay. I find that I keep buying movies, mm-hmm. but because I got Netflix and it means I have to get off the couch, I don't go and actually get them. So I'm okay. making an effort to actually maybe buy or watch the media that I've purchased. So, mm-hmm. um, when I was in, uh, Austin for a fantastic fest last year, I had bunch, a whole bunch of, uh, or I had bought a whole bunch of, uh, Draft House Films. And then uh, again at uh, uh, Black Friday, they had another sale and I got uh, Chris to help me to get some uh, more films. So I have like a bunch of like 20 Draft House movies that mm-hmm. I haven't been unwrapped yet. So <laughs> I decided to pick one. Uh, so I watched Awaken Fright. Um, it's from 1971 and an Australian film uh, starring Donald Pleasance. And oh, I'll be honest, I only know him from Halloween. Yeah, I, I do. Like, I just don't know his filmography very well. Um, yeah. So I picked this one on purpose just because he was in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it'd be one of those, you know, running the game uh, movies where, um, you know, it's like a guy who's being hunted by other people. And it's not. Uh, I, I was completely, I, I wouldn't say misled because I assumed the, the plot of this movie. And so what it's about, it uh, so Donald Plus is in it, but it stars Gary Bond. And he plays John Grant, who is a teacher who teaches a one-room schoolhouse in the outback in Australia. So last day of school, he gets uh, ready to go on his uh, Christmas vacation, which is a bit of a mindfuck just because Christmas in Australia, it's bone dry. You know, there's no no snow. Um, So he has to stay one night in this town. Uh, It's a mining town called Bundanyaba. So they just call it the Yaba, which is a fictional <laughs> town for the film. And it's a mining town. So he gets stuck there one night, starts drinking with the local sheriff, and then uh, proceeds to go into uh, the local gambling establishment and starts gambling on on this game where a guy just flips two quarters in the air. And then you have to dis- you have to bet on if it's going to fall on heads, tails, or both heads, two tails. Weird, all right? Yeah. So he proceeds to start winning and then loses his shirt. He gambles everything. And the reason for that is because he is a bonded teacher. So he secures employment by paying, uh, I guess, the because he's he's English, the British school board, a thousand dollars 
So he gets him a job, but he has to finish his, I guess, his contract in this small town, which he hates because there's nothing to do. So now he's out of money. So now he's trapped in this small mining town and shit just gets real. You know, uh, people, the people are really nice. They, uh, they bring him in, but then he starts drinking and then he starts, be, starts to act like the, the locals. And, um, I don't want to give the whole story away. Yeah. But it's good. Wow. And then you meet Donald Pleasance, who's mm-hmm. awesome. You know, like I've never seen him with a black beard before. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, cause you always, you always see Donald Pleasance, you know, as, uh, as Dr. Loomis with the gray beard. Um, yeah, he's awesome in it. Like he's a highlight. Um, really, the whole cast is fantastic. Uh, there's a uh, uh, Australian actor who passed away just after this film was made called Chips Rafferty, who plays the sheriff in the film. He's amazing. Um, so this film is a, a time capsule, really. And mm-hmm. Draft House uh, picked this film for their for their series, and apparently it's one of those lost films that was okay. uh, that somebody started searching for. So that they could release it on DVD, couldn't find the, the actual film, only had like an audio track and some Technicolor negatives or something. Finally tracked the film down after years in Pittsburgh, where it was slated to be destroyed, and they saved it mm. in time. So it's one of those films that could have been lost forever, and was able to be re, uh, uh, re, uh, I guess, uh, color corrected and just brought back to 2K. And now it's out and it's amazing. I believe it's on Netflix. Um, I remember seeing the cover on Netflix. So if those, what was the name who, of it? it's called Wake in Fright and it's, it's fucking fantastic. I totally recommend it. Um, um, yeah. So I believe I saw it on US Netflix. Uh, if I'm wrong, okay. I apologize, but you probably could purchase on Amazon or whatever, you know, but mm-hmm. it's from Draft House Films and I'm kind of have a love relationship with Draft House. Yeah. Um, just because of the whole Austin uh, Film Festival, which I just adored. That said, though, a lot of their films don't have releases in Canada. So it's a bit of a bitch to actually order from them if I'm over the border. <laughs> like to a point where even my credit card won't work because it's a Canadian oh, wow. credit card. Yeah. So that's why I had to go through a third party to get uh, my right. movies for Black Friday because they had a 10 movie or $10 film deal. So they're usually about 20 bucks a, a release. They're yeah. all 10 bucks. So I'm like, wow. load me up. So now I've got 20 to watch. So I'm like, yeah, I just got to find time to watch. Um, so um, I'm not finding it on streaming and I don't find it on, maybe I'm spelling it wrong. Yeah, wake, uh, W-A-K-E, then N, and then Fright, F-R-I-G-H-T. Oh, wait, there it is. Oh, it is there. I, uh, yeah. I amplify it. Yeah, it's in the, yeah, for DVD. It is out there for DVD. Oh, it is on for streaming? Uh, streaming? <clears throat> well, I'm in the DVD section. Oh, okay. But it should be on streaming. I'm sure I've seen it uh, streaming. If not in the U.S., it is in Canada. Um, okay. So if that's the case, ha ha U.S. <laughs> we don't give her many victories, so you know whatever. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. The only wake we've got is wake up. So yeah, it would have to. You'd have to run it. But oh well, if worst comes to worst, but yeah, I can uh, turn on my Periscope and I can watch it again, and you guys, you guys can Periscope <laughs> it. You know, whatever. There you go. Quality might not be uh, as par as the Blu-ray, but, you know, you get a feel for it. Uh, but I recommend <laughs> that one. Um, then I went to see a screening of Midnight Special um, at uh, my uh, Mayfair Theater in Ottawa. Um, I knew very little about it. I, from the poster and from what I read online, uh, like people like reacting to it. It's like, oh, my mm-hmm. God, it's awesome. It's great. It's fantastic. 
Um, I thought it was just okay. And then the more yeah. I think about it, I like it less and less. Um, so I'm not going to talk too much about it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I've had to be, it's got a kind of a Spielbergian feel to it, like an 80s Spielberg film, kind of like uh, Super 8 was. Oh, okay. I love Super 8. Me too. And this is not Super 8. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like it as much. Um, I knew nothing about it, really, to be honest with you, apart from uh, the brief synopsis, which is uh, a father and son go on the run, pursued by the government and a cult drawn to the child's special powers. Hmm. That's all I knew. Um, I didn't know who the whole cast was. And I won't say it just because I was surprised to see them on screen. So okay. like, oh, cool. Um, but yeah, I I gave it three stars upon first seeing it. I'm, I'd am i give it two and a half now. The more I think about it. I just didn't like it. It just didn't respond to me like it did others. Yeah. And uh, quickly to finish my uh, week off, um, I, wa- I finally, after owning the Blu-ray for years, I watched Sucker Punch. Oh, okay. Yeah. I actually haven't seen that one yet. Zack Snyder's I've Sucker Punch. Director I like of, Sucker Punch. I did not. I oh, thought I'm it sorry. was complete <laughs> horseshit. It was uh, so dumb. Um, I liked Oscar Isaacs in it. I thought he was awesome. Like, hey, there's Poe. Oh, I forgot. I forgot he was in that. Yeah, but he's not acting like Poe, so skip it. Um, now, did you watch the director's cut? No, oh, fuck no. I did I not want to spend next to you know what? It was an extra 17 minutes of my life. I did not. I'm like, you know what? I heard bad things about it. I picked <laughs> it up because it was cheap. And I like Jenna Malone. I like her a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, really, it's about the five girls and their dare, daydreams. And, you know, because whatever. Um, yeah. Jenna Malone's awesome, but she's not awesome. Like, she's awesome in everything that she does. Um, so she's worth it. Emily Browning, I really don't know who she is. And I was not blown away by her performance at all i thought she was just meh um, i loved her in um sleeping beauty or uh, yeah it's not like the disney sleeping beauty it's some weird sex thing but uh, ooh, she was really ooh, good okay talk talk slowly about it so <laughs> it, 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 is it one of those this is not sleeping beauty xxx by axel braun <laughs> <laughs> no she's I, I i haven't seen it in a while now but i believe it was something like where she is basically uh like put to sleep like given medicine to like be passed out okay. and then rich men come in and pay to basically have their way with these passed out women uh, okay uh it's really strange film um but i thought she was really good in it oh it, yeah, the film it, wasn't quite what i thought it was going to be to be honest with you it got, but, a, it got a release in argentina as sleeping booty <laughs> sleeping <laughs> booty thank you Oh man! Yeah, so I don't know. I, I, I didn't like it at all. Uh, I was some special effects are cool, but then you know when it gets so CGI green screen that you know everything's green screen. Yeah, you just imagine them just you know uh, act around a green box because everything right. else is going to be filled by a computer later on. Probably a Mac because PCs suck. Anyways, yeah, I didn't like this film at all. I was very uh, turned off by it, and I own it. So yay me. <laughs> and that's pretty much it that's pretty much okay. all i've done apart from um i've been playing oh i started playing uh i'm getting tired of fallout 4 because i'm stuck somewhere or i think the game oh. has glitched and i can't keep going <laughs> so i switched to uh, uh wwe 2k16 mm. and i have yet to win a match yep i fucking hated that game uh, my first feud was with tyler breeze uh, okay. i lost all the matches i lost all the tag <laughs> matches he he won at whatever uh, arrival it was, and yeah. then so our feud was gone. But then my next match with Stardust, he runs down and beats the shit out of me. So our feud's back on again, probably because yeah. I didn't win a match yet. 
So, right. Yeah, I'm not enjoying that game very much. And I like, absolutely love the customization of it, like you, the like all the things you can download sure. from you know the user base. But yeah. the gameplay is fucking terrible. Like, like the, I had the, it on easy. I, like, I'd rather have a, a game where I'm mashing the the controller buttons like a motherfucker right. yep. and try to kick out, and then try to time a pin in a stupid yeah. 360 degree circle. Like, I agree with you, and I hate the button mashing way, but like it's better than that bullshit they have in 2K16. And the fucking reversals. Oh, I'm too late. Oh, oh I'm too God, quick. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. Like seriously. <laughs> exactly. If I didn't buy this game <laughs> online on PSN. I would yeah. return the disc or I would ship it to some Asian kid who's got a PS3 and he'll right. have as much fun as I am because he can't play it. <laughs> I got a PS4, you know? Yeah, I got fortunate. I bought it on Black Friday mm. and played and then I realized I hated it and I sold it maybe a month later for like $3 more than I actually bought it for. So yeah. it worked out. Yeah. But I, like, yeah, I cannot fucking I, – I've been uh, – WWE 13 has taken my um, wrestling fix – as of well, I haven't played it lately, but a couple months ago, that's what I was playing. Yeah, yeah. So the, the game sucks, or you know, it doesn't suck. I'm just not used to the gameplay yet. Yeah, I, and I didn't care enough to fucking. Can learn somebody it. just make a game like like WrestleMania 2000 or No Mercy? Yeah, no is that mercy, so hard to yeah. ask? I don't want a simulation. Give me an arcadey. You know what the last good WrestleMania or uh, WWE game was? Was WWE All Stars for the PS3? That was an arcadey, over the top wrestling game. Mm-hmm. Fun as so I think I platinum that game. Uh, really, and I'm not really a trophy guy, but I I love that game. It was with some I guess stars at the time and some legends, yep. and it was completely over the top. Like Macho Man is jumping up from the turnbuckle to like the the rafters to give his elbow. Like it's, it's yeah, but it's fun, you know. So if we can get something that's like part simulation where you have like the the storylines, mm-hmm. and then your N64 gameplay. So I don't have to be a Madden player to play this stupid fucking game, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, that's what I would but like, you know? To me, the, the best wrestling games are still the Fire Pro wrestling games. Yeah. They are just perfect in terms of uh, the, you know, uh, controls, the gameplay, uh, and the amount of customization you can do. Obviously, you're not, they're not using real wrestling. They don't have the licenses. But you can change the names. Exactly. I used to play the absolute hell out of those in my Game Boy Advance. Yeah, Pro exactly. 1 and exactly. I had that for my Game Boy Advance, and I would spend the time to edit all the names. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Hours and hours in that, just getting the names. Yeah. And Such a great game, though. Yeah, so apart from that, uh, yeah, I've been starting to watch a lot of, well, because I don't have cable, I've been watching <laughs> on the Twitch, and I finally uh, started subscribing to uh, one of the guys on Twitch, uh, Jay oh. Carver Poker. He's okay. a poker pro that pretty much streams every day. And oh. uh, it's giving me the itch to start playing on PokerStars, but my credit card doesn't accept transfers down there. So then I have oh. to find a third party to do it. So it's a bit of a hassle, oh, which is probably a good thing, you know. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm getting the itch to start playing again. And I can't you know. play video poker. I, we used to play uh, poker like every Friday night in my uncle's garage back yeah. when I was an undergrad. And that was, I love that. You know, mm-hmm. you put 10 bucks in, you play a few games. Yeah. Or 10 bucks each game, you play a few games each night. And that's just, that's awesome. But I can't imagine playing online. It's just a whole different experience than uh, in person. It is. I, sometimes if I'm if I'm too bored, I will pretend it's more like a video game, and then that's not mm-hmm. good. Um, <laughs> right. I prefer playing in person, but uh, yeah, I don't have very many options. Like there's a casino nearby, but I'm terrified to go look like a retard at a casino. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like I just don't yeah, want to look too. stupid. So Never yeah, I'm, table. yeah. So maybe if I can just get my chops going again. And 
find a local game, you know, and then yeah. meet some people that way because all my poker buddies are in Winnipeg. So, <laughs> right. oh, yeah, yeah. But that's pretty much me. That's my week. Very good. Yeah, my week was um, not very much. I did a lot of watching uh, sports. I did a lot of hockey watching and a lot of soccer watching this weekend. That's pretty much the extent of what I watched. Soccer, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I've been uh, into soccer pretty hardcore the past like two months now oh you, you mean say. english football yes oh gotcha exactly. oh, i was okay sorry sorry yeah yeah <laughs> and uh yeah so i've been watching a lot of that but uh com i've been reading a bunch of comic books also so i found this website called uh comicbookherald.com okay and uh this guy has so many different reading lists up there. I mean, it's like perfect if you're, uh, you know, kind of a noob like I am, or mm -hmm. if you're even a veteran, I guarantee you're going to find something of interest on the website. Uh, and he, just the way he lays it out is really, really well done. And so, you know, I was on the site reading the site, got you know sucked into the site. And then I found this thing that's called My Marvelous Year is what he's calling it. And basically he started at the beginning of the year and he's doing a, a, like one year each week starting in the 1960s uh like right now he's in 1977 and so basically he would have like 10 different comic books from from that year that you would read okay um it started off as one like you'd read like you know issue number you know 101 of x-men blah you know sure. but then it kind of evolved into like 101 to 104 you know so you would get like a full story arc at least and um so does he own all these or are these all uh, like subscription based like e-comics yeah, so what he does is really cool because Marvel has a service that is called Marvel Unlimited, okay. which gives you access to a plethora of Marvel's comic books. Uh, not like the brand new stuff, obviously, but um, I don't know exactly how old it has to be before it can get on the service. Okay. It might be a year, might be six months, might be two years. I don't, I don't know. But obviously back in, you know, where he's starting from, and like I said, right now we're in 1977. That's what I've been reading. Uh, it's all available on Marvel Unlimited. And it's only 10 bucks a month for Marvel Unlimited. Oh, that's cool. And so I've been reading it on my like uh, one of my, uh, what do you call it, tablet, my 10-inch tablet. And so it's basically comic book size. And so it's like a, just a perfect way to read comic books and super cheap, 10 bucks for the month. I mean, you know, it's it's an awesome deal. But now, and so, is it the same experience as reading an actual comic book, like from like the 70s, 80s? Like, are the ads still in it or is it just like the, the pattern? No, they take out all the ads. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. But I, frankly, I don't want the damn ads because it's oh. just, I just, I just want the, I just want what's there. You know, I, mean, I don't, I don't yeah. need the full ad uh, experience, I guess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I could see how some might like that, but. For me, I don't. I just don't care. I just want to read the comic book and move on. One thing I've noticed about these comic books from like the from like I said, I'm reading 1977, um, is that there is it's so wordy compared to the comic books that I've read today, and it just takes so much longer to get through an issue. And a lot of it is they put it in like thought bubbles as opposed to people speaking. Okay. Uh, and a lot of it's kind of unnecessary, which is it's just it slows down. Like normally, I can read a comic book in what ten minutes. Whereas here it takes me closer to twenty minutes, and it's just like, come on, yeah, maybe not. Those numbers aren't perfect, obviously, but too much exposition. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's really cool because, like, I only know a lot of these villains from the movies, and so like reading um, Avengers and dealing with uh, Ultron and, and seeing the Vision, mm -hmm. which is the first time I ever saw the Vision in a comic book before, um, and so it's really cool to kind of get that end of it. Um, and some of the stories are interesting. This year. Um, 
from what I've been reading, kind of like the comments section, is not one of the best years of this my marvelous year thing. Okay. Um. So I'm hoping that it gets better as it goes. But the only my only complaint is that it's just taking me like double the time to read the comic because it's so wordy compared to what we have now. Yeah. But some of the art is just gorgeous. A lot of you know a lot of it's. Uh, I think I missed a lot of the Stan Lee writing. Um, and Jack Kirby, but okay. I did get one of the issues this month was, uh, Jack Kirby written and, uh, and drawn and it was, uh, the writing, the issue itself wasn't that great, but the, the art was gorgeous. So, you know, I'm in a minority. I think mm-hmm. I don't like Jack Kirby's artwork. No. I find the faces look all squished. They're all like Modocs. Yeah. You know, honestly, you know I, mean? I think this is the first one I read. I wasn't blown away by it by any yeah. means. Um, I thought it was fine, like good. Um, but Again, I have one. I have one issue to judge on. You know what yeah. I mean? So I can't really judge it yet. So mm-hmm. uh, as it goes along, I'll be definitely you know be able to judge more. Um, again, not blown away by my first experience with it, but it was it was good enough for what it was trying to do. Well, yeah. So cool. it's, I don't know. It's, it's like a history lesson in comics, which is is fucking awesome. So I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah, really. All I've been really doing this past week the weekend if i wasn't watching sports i was sitting on the couch reading uh one of the comics or actually i was playing darts a lot of the week too my we uh, have a dart board in our garage that we finally moved our grill back outside because yeah. the weather's getting nice now and so we have access to it again so bridge and i were playing a lot of darts which is fun you guys ever drink a lot and play darts we haven't no <laughs> i don't I, frankly i don't drink that much anyway and so okay. yeah oh because you ever watch darts on tv though no, like, like oh, you should because really? like I, I like around four o'clock in the afternoon on the local uh, sports stations in Canada, mm-hmm. they they air like you know pub games like poker and darts and stuff. Okay, and they show these dart events from the UK in like the O2 Arena, and it's sold out, and it's <laughs> tables upon tables of people drinking with pitches of beer, and they bought signs and they're heckling and they're singing and they got their oh favorite dart guys. <laughs> but the best part, though, oh, it's awesome. And the best part, it's the dart announcer that announces the score. Oh, it was like 140, 180. <laughs> like, oh, you know, I, I don't know why it's twitching, but I like it, you know. Yeah. No, it's awesome. awesome. Like, I would love, if I ever went overseas, I would love to go to a darts event in the UK <laughs> because it would be a fucking party. That's so cool. Oh, so much fun. All right, so let's move on to our second criminally underrated film for this arc. And this one was chosen by Ash. It is Perfect Blue from 1997. And as always, there will be spoilers for this film. So if you have not seen Perfect Blue, I highly recommend you pause the podcast now, go watch the film, and then come back and and listen to our thoughts on it because there will be heavy major spoilers for the entire film. All right, so Perfect Blue is directed by... Satoshi Khan, and I apologize if I say these uh, names incorrectly, uh, was written by Sadayuki Morai, and it's based on the novel by Yoshikazu Takachui. I feel like such an idiot because I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Probably but. just Takachi, but... Takachi, okay. Um, Probably. It, <laughs> <laughs> this has an IMDB score of 7.8 with, out of the 26,144 votes. There's no Metacritic score I could find for it, but on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a Tomato meter of 68% and an audience score of 88%. It had a budget of 3 million yen and it grossed in the United States um, 100 million, just under $100 million. So, Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, they yeah. did an actual theatrical run of it. 
No shit. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually surprised by that. That's yeah, I, I was too. So, Mark, what is your history with Perfect Blue? Do you have any history with the film at all? Or is this your first time? Uh, no. I heard about it about two weeks ago when we decided to do the segment. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that, that's that's pretty much it. I have very limited experience with anime. Um, yeah. I think it pretty much sticks to, like, Street Fighter anime <laughs> because I'm a big Street Fighter fan. But apart from that, that is it. That is all. Yeah, me too. I have almost no experience with anime. I, um a couple Studio Ghibli films, um, I, a couple random things here and there, and that's about it. So, yeah, and I had not seen Perfect Blue. I did hear of it, though, because Ash rant, ranted and raved about it uh, last year during yes. our animation challenge. And so I ended up, uh, I got a, a Blu-ray, a region-free Blu-ray player last year, and that was one of my first purchases, was the region-free Blu-ray of Perfect Blue, because you cannot find the Blu-ray in the United States, because they don't have it. And the DVD is super expensive. So yes. the region-free Blu-ray was a really good price on Amazon UK. And so it was one of my first uh, purchases for my region-free player. And I'm finally excited that I finally watched the region-free Blu-ray on my region-free Blu-ray <laughs> player. So, yeah, took a while. but And I had I literally had to contact another podcaster who's on Twitter, um, Sean DeRegger. And I was like, hey, I know we have the same uh, region-free Blu-ray player. But I lost the instructions on how to change the the blue the Blu-ray uh, region setting okay. because it's actually like Sony Blu-ray player, but the company that sells it does like a hack on the inside that makes it so you playable. Put your code on the remote. Yes. Yeah. And so I needed to know what fucking buttons to push and when to do it in order to change the region. So fortunately, he was quick to respond, so I was able to to get it going. But it was embarrassing. But anyway, because it comes with a piece of paper that I lost <laughs> when I put up my theater system. But yeah, so I had no history with this film at all, just other than hearing about it from Ash, and I'd just seen it this week. So, Ash, what is your history with Perfect Blue? Um, Perfect Blue, I actually bought uh, when it first, it was one of the first DVDs I bought. Um, Oh, wow. Or, well, my wife bought it, actually. Um, Okay. But yeah, she and I, um, what did we, we saw an an anime music video for it, didn't we, at at OhioCon? Oh, we saw a trailer at OhioCon, but we did mm. also see, eventually saw it. They've, they've done some anime music videos to it uh, at some of the cons we went to, but um, we saw a trailer for it, and we thought it looked good, so we picked it up, and we were not disappointed. So my DVD is actually ancient. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it still works, so good. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I've we've known about it for at least, what, 16 years now? 17 years? Wow. At least sixteen years. Yeah, we got our DVD player in two, oh, two, oh, probably fifteen years now because we got our DVD player in two thousand one. Very good. So yeah, let's. Um, all right. So I, I asked you guys before, but um, Mark, you ended up watching the uh, subtitled version of the film, correct? Hi. Okay. <laughs> good. Good. Uh, I watched the subtitled version first. And then watched the dubbed version afterwards. So I just want to talk a little bit about that. So the to me, the, the uh, superior version has to be the subtitled version. But I also understand that that's probably just because I watched it first. So I watched that a couple nights ago and uh, put on the dubbed version today. And it just felt like the voice acting was lacking. A lot of the characters just didn't match what I heard in the dubbed version. Yeah. I'm sorry, in the subbed version. Mm-hmm. And so it threw me off. 
specifically the uh, one one of the characters that really killed me was the bully at the concert. Yeah, in the beginning of the film, I thought he just sounded so ridiculous in the in the dubbed version of it. I couldn't I couldn't handle it. <laughs> yeah, he is a little over the top. Yeah, but I I definitely think that you know if I were to recommend it to somebody, I would recommend watching the dub. I'm sorry, I keep messing up the subbed version first. Yeah, I always I always like seeing a film like this for the first time if it's subtitled if I have the <laughs> opportunity just to hear it in its native tongue. And yeah. how the actual original actor voiced the character? It just I I find from what I've from what I've seen, and you know I haven't seen much, but mm-hmm. I just find that dubbed, it seems a little lazy. Yeah, you know. See, um, there are some. I think the other thing is that there are some very minor differences between what the subtitle said and what the dubbed actor was saying. And they they do that a lot, though, to match the lip movements. Oh, okay, gotcha. That makes yeah. sense. It just it 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 they were small, okay. but they kind of affected the the character's personality a little bit. Really, For one point to me at least, and one point in particular. Um, I didn't write the didn't write it down. Of course, okay. So it was uh, what's her name? Room. I got it written. Roomy. Roomy. Yeah, Roomy is oh okay i remember the point now so mima is uh getting ready to go do her first um shoot yeah she has the she has the one line and um rumi asks you are you nervous and she says a little bit and then in the dubbed version she looks at the script and says and in the subtitle was something like how can uh it's hard to be nervous with only one line Mm -hmm. but in the subbed version it was like how can you be nervous you only have one line I'm not saying that I'm not saying exactly correct, but to me, pretty, it was yeah, just more ag- aggressive yeah. in the dubbed version than it was in the sub in the subtitle version. And I like the subtitle version better because it it because obviously this is such an important character, and to see her kind of in this more aggressive tone, I feel like is detrimental to what we find out later in the film. Mm-hmm. It's very small. I understand that. And being kind of just an asshole and, and critiquing it. But that's one moment where it just – I felt the difference. And so that's why I would have to prefer the the dubbed version. Well, you know, like when you're reading something, you know, a comma will change the meaning of a sentence. So a word yeah, and that happened will too. change the meaning of a sentence as well, you know. So mm-hmm. I think I think it's uh, – it's, it's an okay uh, critic uh, criticism on the dubbing slash subbing of the movie. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Ash? Which which if you had to choose one version to watch the rest of your life, which version are you watching? I, I would probably watch the dub because I'm very lazy. Um, <laughs> I, I I just I I've listened or watched the dub so many times it doesn't phase me anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like if we were asked uh, if you asked me about Evangelion say the the tv show evangelion i would watch it uh subtitled because that was how i first watched that show gotcha. and the dub and the dub actors for that aren't especially good um oh, okay. <laughs> out of curiosity do you remember what you watched this one in first uh i'm pretty sure we watched this one dubbed first um okay. so, so it that that's probably part of yeah. it i think i've maybe only watched this maybe subbed once uh, and that was just because some of the people who were watching it with prefer subbed, uh, overdubbed. So, because we we when we bought this, uh, my wife had to share it with everybody that we knew at the time. 
So, I mean, we, we, we shared this with probably our whole anime group within the first, like, year we had it. <laughs> it's like, have you seen Perfectly Yet? <laughs> like, kind of like a crack deal. It's like, you got a copy, you want to watch it? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, and so, I mean, most of them didn't care. Um, like, like, there are some dubs versus subs that I prefer. Uh, just instantly, Helsing's one of them. Helsing's Helsing's dub is absolutely amazing because they actually give all of the characters the accents from the European countries they're from. And oh, gotcha. Because Helsing actually takes place in Britain, and mm-hmm. so they they have all the characters have the right accents and everything. It's just fantastic. Um, the other one I would prefer over the subbed is Cowboy Bebop because the voice cast in American and English is also fantastic. Um, hmm. But uh, I, uh, some of them I'm more particular than others. Others I don't really care. So I, yeah. I think this one I probably wouldn't really either way. Right. Yeah, the first time I watched this film, I just, I, like I said, I did the subtitles and I didn't take any notes at all. And then I watched it again the second time. Uh, and that's when I took my notes for the film. Um, but I find, and I think it's interesting because I think this, and, and I could be wrong, but, and Ash, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the first subtitled movie that we've watched in the podcast since we did the Bollywood special back on like episode, I don't know, four or five of the podcast. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, we've and watched, so, I mean, we've, each of us has watched movies that have subtitles on our right. own, but nothing that we've discussed. Yeah. But what I find, because I haven't watched a subtitled movie personally in a while, and what I find is that by about halfway through, it's just, it's coming so natural to look at the bottom and look up, look at the bottom and look up. Like, it's not something I'm straining to do, which is something I always fear going in. It's like, ah, I don't want to do the work to to read it and then look up and see what's going on. But I found that like it just kind of happens naturally. And so that's something I just got to kind of get away from for myself. Obviously, it's going to be different for different people, but just that stigma of it's going to be more work to do the subtitles. Because really, for me, it seems to just come naturally after you know so many minutes into it. So I liked – one thing I really liked about this was – how even though it's an animated film there are still so many shots that felt cinematic and felt like i was watching you know live action uh when the director chooses to do like push-ins in particular there there's two moments in particular one uh they're both in on um mima's face one of them is when she is starting to realize that the uh person who's doing mima's room knows a bit too much. That's the first one. And then the other ones later in the film, when um, she's walking down the hallway, it's right toward the end. She's walking down the hallway and um, she sees the the stalker heading her way. And mm-hmm. she turns to look back to see if the the actress is still there and she's not And this camera pushes in. I, I love that about it. Whenever I, I watch an animated anything, I love when it feels like the director, you know, has a background at least. And even if he doesn't, it just feels like, you know, he's definitely has a respect for cinematography and still makes the animation feel like it's, you know, being filmed. I love that aspect of it. What I had there- a, a giggle watching this film was when mm-hmm. you're talking about Mina's room and, you know, like, what is it? <laughs> yeah. And oh, yeah. Her, her handler had to set up a computer and tell her what the internet was. <laughs> I'm like, right. oh, this is great. 
I know. Yeah. I love that. 97. I mean, it's so perfect. Yeah. 97. Everything's new. She's like, oh yeah, that's popular right now. <laughs> like- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I got a kick of, uh, out of that, you know, because I mm-hmm. was like in high school at the time. And I remember it was like grade 11, yep. grade 12, where I felt like I had access to the computer room where mm-hmm. you actually serve the net after class. Okay. Of course, me and my brother, uh, Ivan, we got caught uh, Googling, or I guess at the time would be a uh, web crawling Raquel Darian, <laughs> which was a well-known, uh, 90s porn star, but that's neither here nor there. As for another podcast. Oh, that's awesome. I do remember. Oh, and I, I still laugh to this day. We're in computer class and we had to do a stupid project. So I did mine on the uh, Dante's Peak. Okay. So again, dating myself. Right. And we're just, you know, going on uh, whatever searching it was. And some guy had pictures of his family at Disney World. And of course, he had a guest book. So we write in a guest book, your pictures suck. Oh, and, then we used, and then we were, we were so clever. We used his own email address. As a, <laughs> like, it was so dumb, but not knowing, you know. Like, oh, man. It's so juvenile. And the, this is like at, at the break of like the birth of the internet, you know. Yeah. So we, we locked up the computer. And we ran out of class. Because they didn't want to get caught. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? It's so, it's so dumb. But man, to this day, it just makes me laugh. It's just like my first, that was my first ever trolling moment on the internet. <laughs> the first of many to come. Oh, no. <laughs> Only one sits. Only one sits. Fingers are crossed. Throw oh. my toes. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking That's today. hilarious. Yeah, good times. Yeah. Yeah, I, like I really grew up with the coming of, uh, you know, of the internet age because I would have in 97, I would have been 11 years old. And so uh, really in, you know, middle school and high school yep. is when everyone was learning the internet. And so it was just a part of my day to day. And so, you know, I have just a. Well, we're kind of like the last generations that knew yeah. life without the internet. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, and I graduated high school in 95. Yeah, so it's weird. Yeah. It's like we remember not having, you know, tablets and smartphones and internets mm-hmm. and we had uh-huh. to use encyclopedias and go to the library and bibliographies. Yeah. And, yeah. It's crazy. I, I, I feel old now. Like I didn't graduate high school until 2004, but I still I'm remember. So young. So. <laughs> I know. But I still remember those things. Yeah. Yeah, and and in that way, this movie is kind of a great time capsule for that. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah, I, that's just, you know what I wrote down. I just love seeing her her unease and her uncertainty when it came to the internet, um, and then her response to Mima's room as she looks outside her window mm. because she doesn't know. It's like she you know, get it yet. exactly. Um, yeah. So, man, I don't know this film. It's it's fucking it's weird. Yeah, I think I've I, you know I've watched it twice now, and I still. I'm I'm not sure I understand everything, you know, obviously. Good. I, I don't know. Me neither. We yeah. Talk about it. <laughs> well, I, and that's that's kind of the point of the movie is too is, you know, we're as as Mima's kind of reality breaks down, they end up doing the same thing to the viewer while you're mm-hmm. watching it. Um, you know, and then so you don't know what's real and what's not and everything right. else. So to me, what miss uh, miss me up? What, what what I was puzzled with, 
and you know we're gonna go spoilers on this right oh yeah absolutely okay so uh the final chase scene yeah uh, yeah okay right so she's being chased and or is she chasing i don't remember anymore i think she's no she's being chased she's being chased chased by Rumi. yeah yeah but we're seeing a version of her singing and just hopping and hovering so is she having a mental breakdown or partially okay partially yes i think the other thing with that is at some point in that that chase scene we're seeing we're seeing Rumi kind of through Mima's eyes, but really, I think most of that is through Rumi's eyes and the way Rumi sees herself as Mima. Okay. Good. Okay, that's what I thought too. Because there's a point where you know um, she's on set and then something happens and she wakes up and then she's on set again. Or there's a, this weird yeah. like uh, yeah, exactly. layered thing, and I think that's where I think reality kind of breaks for her. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. I, I I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, it, it almost feels like, and you know, I'm glad you brought that up because it it feels like it's almost two movies. Yes. One is is Mima going crazy from the strain of like changing her image to become an actress, yeah. and she's seeing things that aren't really there, not knowing what's real, what isn't. And then the other film, there's a stalker trying to kill a victim using mentally unstable, uh, this unmentally unstable man to help finish the job. Yeah. And it's just ah, I don't know. It's it's layer upon layer upon layer upon layer and it's just to the point frankly where I, it's confusing and what i found weird with the the way that the uh i guess the stalker guy was mm-hmm. portrayed he uh he's obviously like the the ugliest guy in this and like he's right. he's drawn in a deformed way almost yeah, that's what I thought too. Like, right? there's like, almost, something almost, physically weird about him. Almost, he's got some uh, some um, some deformity, mm-hmm. but he, but like a, somebody that's still highly functioning, you know. Yeah. But like you know, he's got. He kind of reminded me a bit of like a bit of Toad from from X Men. He had the, yeah. uh, I, I guess, more like the comic book. You know, like eyes more on the side, and he just had this. Yeah, yeah it's just it's kind of weird that he was drawn so drastically different than everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I don't know what else to add. The to second that. time around, <laughs> I finally understood I, – I understood that um, Rumi was actually emailing him mm-hmm. that she was, you know, t- to kind of manipulate him to try to kill uh, Mima. Uh, Mima. And so I, I didn't get that the first time around. Um, but – the second time around, it, ma- it started making a little bit more sense. Um, so, so was Rumi? Was she a failed singer? And she, she to was. She, her? she was yeah. either failed or retired. Okay. I think like she, she just. Got yeah, I got that she was retired. Like, yeah, kind of past her prime. The way I saw it is that she didn't. She oh, didn't Rumi. get as much success as Mima did, and she's like, "Why are you dropping this when you've had more success than I did?" And yeah, I think Rumi was right. a failed one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so too. I, I, you know what? Seeing the end, like pretty much the whole film, to me felt like an Ernie's De Palma movie, like Dressed to Kill. That's um, actually Hitchcock was one of the uh, one of the style inspirations for this. Well, that makes um, sense. It, what's interesting is Darren um, Darren Aronofsky. Is that yeah. Uh, yeah. He actually really loved uh, the director uh, Satoshi uh, Khan's work. Um, he actually like wrote a really nice, uh, cause Satoshi, uh, died in 2010. 
right. of cancer. And uh, Darren Ofnowski after actually wrote a really nice like eulogy and like a you know uh, about his work and stuff and what an inspiration it was. But yeah, he's he's very good at kind of mixing things up and kind of making you rethink what you're actually looking at. I think throughout the whole film, really. Mm-hmm. Cause you don't, at a certain point, you don't know, okay, is she dreaming now? Is this real? What's yeah, exactly. real? What's the, what is, you know, <laughs> and it's yeah. just, I mean, it's, it's even really good at that. What killed me is even after the stalker attacks her and he's trying to rape her and then she like hits him in the head with the hammer and she stands up. Even then all of a sudden we see an audio, you know, that's, that's or cut or whatever this line is. And, and they start clapping and then she appears outside. The, it's like, what? What? Like, was that real? Was that not? But then, yeah. uh, like, to me, that was real. But she was Im- imagining the the audience being there. Uh, but it's just like, man, was I it, don't know. It also gave too me much. a bit of a mindfuck, too. I'm like, okay, so now people are applauding. Right. Was, was, was this evil guy actually there? Did she just maybe attack somebody exactly. from the staff? And mm-hmm. is, is she really killing everybody? You know, like, right? Is she the one that did all these murders of the the screenwriter and then the other guy? And, yeah, and, uh, uh, yeah. And you know, I guess that's what animation can do that live action can't is mm-hmm. really play along the whole psychological, like uh, you know, uh, like the the visuals on it. You know, like even you know uh, Mima's uh, you know portrayal of Rumi floating going after her. Well, you can't yeah. do, you can't yeah. do that in live action. You know. So that's something that you know uh, animation can can do a lot uh, easier. It makes it would make more sense too. Right. One of my favorite moments in the film has to be after she films the rape scene and gets back to the apartment. She's like singing or whatever, and then she goes into a room and sees that all the fish have died, mm-hmm. and just has a breakdown now obviously it's not because the fish have died it's because of the fact that she f- just got done filming this incredibly intense scene that she didn't really want to do and it's just so like just perfect just seems so realistic it's yeah. just the fish are the 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 straw that broke the camel's back so to speak mm-hmm. i i thought it was just such a a really well done moment that felt so real. Well, and just the fact that she's a brand new actress and like her mm-hmm. third or fourth scene's a fucking rape scene. Right. She doesn't have the tools to ma- to deal. Like she's a singer. Yeah. And she's a young, exactly. like, I don't think they tell us exactly how old she is, but she has to right. be like early twenties at the latest, you know? Like yeah. I've been thinking 22. she's not even 20 yet, to be honest. Yeah. That I would really like yeah. Cause J-pop idols can start when they're 15 or 16. She might even be right. 17. As young as 17 when she starts acting. Mm-hmm. That's crazy to have a, or somebody that age go through a scene so dark like that. Yeah, right, it's just wrong. Like no, no wonder uh, Rumi kind of goes off on her. I guess her business partner because like yeah. she's yeah. crying. It's like I don't blame her. Like there goes yeah. her innocence. Like her, she's innocent when she's sing a singer, and now mm-hmm. like real life comes in as the actress portion starts up, and it's not as cookie cutter as her previous yeah. job. Yeah, and I I love the. Like right from the start, as soon as she starts doing the acting stuff, you know, she starts seeing the old Mima, you know, everywhere. Yeah. Kind yeah, of you know, torturing what, her. One thing I thought was weird is that it, it, frankly, it doesn't take very much to send Mima over the edge. Um, after the first night where she uh, sees the homepage, so the next day, she freaks out when she's getting out of the train and she kind of like runs up to the, like outside the train area. 
Um, and it's right when the the stalker he puts the note on the door about the hit and run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she sees him, or she has a memory of seeing him, or whatever the case is, as the doors close. Um, but that's really like to me when she started going. And then um, the first time she's a pop idol is on the subway train, subway ride home after she agrees to do the rape scene. Um, yeah, I don't know. Interesting. What kind of surprised me with this movie was mm-hmm. the uh, full frontal nudity. Yeah. I didn't expect that. Mm-hmm. There was actually two versions of this released. Um, the one that's on DVD and Blu-ray is the completely unrated version. They actually had to cut it down a bit to get an R rating in the U.S. when they released it. Oh, really? It. Yeah. It, it would make mm-hmm. sense. Like, you know, the rape scene was bad. And then you got the mm-hmm. photographer who's like a dirty photographer. Yeah. You know? Uh, and, and it reminded me of oh, there's this one photographer who's apparently really well known and he's known to be like a deviant with his subjects. It's some, ah, and he's a, he's a guy who's praised. I, I forget his name, but he's like a tall skinny Caucasian guy with glasses. Anyways, um, it reminded me of, of him because, you know, of what he's doing to her, you know, she's being again, all innocent with some nice pictures and slowly and slowly it just gets, you know, uh, X-rated. You know, yeah. It also reminds me also of like the whole like uh, Britney Spears, you know, uh, right. saga. But this is yeah. in '97. Britney Spears was what '98, '99. So this is pre-Britney yeah. Spears. Um, yeah, and it, it, kind of the, in that same vein is when you see her doing after the rape scene that film. She obviously becomes a bigger part of the show, and you see her doing interviews, and she's wearing less and less clothes at each interview she's doing. Uh, which I think, you know, just kind of the perfect perfect representation of that change of image, mm-hmm. which is, you know, part of the reason that she is, is causing her breakdown. I didn't even notice that. I didn't even realize that, that she was wearing less and less clothing at, uh, at her interviews. Yeah, that's what that's what I noticed anyway. Mm. Yeah, there is a lot of there's a lot of detail that they, they put in this movie. I was just mm-hmm. it, I, to me, this is probably one of the best like psychological thrillers I've seen. in a lot, Like a lot of them like try to do stuff similar to this movie and just don't manage to do it. And, right. and this one just like, you know, cause it, 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 most of the time, like when you watch the psychological thriller, the audience can tell, okay, well they're losing their mind. Mm-hmm. And this one, you know, well they're losing their mind, but you know, what's real, you know, we don't know. <laughs> and it's just right. Yeah. And the, the music, especially I think mm-hmm. really sells a lot of that. Like, uh, you know, like the, yeah, like the kind of like the the whiny kind of off off key, as my wife puts it, the bee music, you know, the buzzing of bees that they have kind of mm. going on in the background doesn't help much with that either. So, right, I liked the because when she was doing the photo shoot, we kind of had so we had the photo shoot where she's you know obviously taking more clothes off as it goes along, and then we kept doing like the montage between that and the. Um, the pop singers singing at the concert that they were at. And then eventually the fake or the imagined Mima shows up there as well. But I like that image, that juxtaposition, because you have the, the childishness of the pop singers versus the kind of the adult nature of the actor or of her becoming this actress. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting. What I also thought was interesting is that, like, her group, what was it called? Chum? Cham? C-H-A-M? Cham. Cham. Cham, yeah. Well, all three girls looked alike. 
so yeah like there was no there's no uh, marks showing you know like this is this person this is that person like it's all very cookie cutter you know so like this industry you know fabricates this type of product and then you know the i guess acting industry just spits them all out you know right uh, that, that's I, i had that feel to it when i was watching mm-hmm. you know um it, maybe there was there's nothing to it and it's just me you know my thoughts type of thing But that's mm-hmm. kind of something I, I kind of got is like all these singers sound the same and look alike and they're just one big representation of one thing. And then, you know, maybe that's, you know, childhood and then you go to adulthood and it's all the fucked up shit happens to you, you know. So maybe right. it's an allegory of growing up too. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's just, you know, a few thoughts that came to my head while uh, I was watching this. Yeah. Waiting for a tentacle, um, which never happened. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah no, tentacles. no tentacles in this one. No. <laughs> Another moment I thought was really strange. Um, so when she's she locked herself in the bathroom at one point, um, and the manager's like, you know, bang on the door. She's like, you know, you agreed to do this. What are you doing? Um, so she sees the pop idol Mima, and that pop idol Mima basically inserts herself into the singing group. And so it's as if like the stalker's vision and Mima's vision are like joining together. Which is just ah, I'm not. I don't have a intelligent enough mind to handle it. I think, like it just blew me away. Do you guys remember that moment at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. What are your, what's your take on it? I think I think we get the interesting thing with this movie is it, it focuses on Mima, but I think mm-hmm. I think we switch to Mimania as the stalker, uh, his point of view and Rumi's point of view at different points, but we're not told that we're in their point of view at all. Yeah, that's a good point. I think, and that, and that adds to the kind of the, you know, is this real or not mm-hmm. bit to it. Yeah. And I think like the moment where it kind of just goes off the rails in terms of being of it, not telling you what's real and what's not, is uh, kind of that scene that they're filming at the bridge in the rain. Mm-hmm. You know, is she seeing the guy there, the stalker there? Is she not? Um, and then comes up and then, you know, we come back to the shooting location in a couple minutes. And then, so was that real? Was that not? Uh, Mima is, is there in her room. Uh, like um, Mima's there. He shows up in her room. Um, and then she says, you know, I haven't seen you in a while. And she's like, yeah, I've been busy. And then kind of puts her hand on his shoulder and we have another flashback or we go back to the scene at the bridge and she misses up her line again and then goes back to the house and then says, you know, I haven't seen you in a while because, uh, room, uh, room is there. What's it? Roma? Roma? Rumi. Rumi is there. And then she's like, well, I was just here yesterday. And she's like, oh, so that was real. And then breaks the cup and like, is this blood real? It's just like, oh my God. Yeah. Fucks with my head. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, what have I done to you two? <laughs> I know. So, in in your in your mind, so the okay. So, obviously, you know, we try to justify things as we're watching them. If we don't understand, we, our brain does its best to justify. So, kind of what I my justification. Oh, because then it just gets even crazier because later on, um, the actors the characters in the the show that they're filming start talking about how Mima is a made up characterization of blah, blah, blah. And 
how she invented this character to, you know, kill these other people. And it's just like, what? And so the way I was trying to justify it was that she was just so wrapped up in her acting that it kind of, you know, she kind of went like the method route with it yeah. and just got so wrapped up, so involved that kind of the, the false, you know, the, the, uh, the script became her reality, which became her, you know, fake world, which I, I don't know. It's so hard to, to try to put it together. But to me, like what's real is that she was having visions, you know, just because of her, her mental unstable, you know, instability at that point. And then, uh, Rumi had, had it set up for the stalker to kill her at the end of shooting, which he tried to do, but instead he got killed. Mm -hmm. And then Rumi killed the manager whose name I can't recall. Mr. Who was the manager, Ash? Takamura or Tadakoro? Yes. Tadakoro. Okay. And then Rumi killed him. And then um, she took her back to quote unquote uh, Mima's room, which was just Rumi's house designed to look exactly like Rumi's. I'm sorry, like Mima's because she's, you know, fucked up in the head. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously Mima kills or, you know, doesn't kill, is being chased by. Rumi, who, you know, she saves from the bus and then is eventually in the insane asylum. And then everything ends well because Mima is okay. That's what I feel like is, is the reality of this, of the end here. What, what, what is your take on it? E either of you guys. I'll be honest. I don't have much of a take on it. <laughs> I was a little confused at the end. I'm kind of going on. Uh, what, what is this? You know, she's yeah. floating. Um, yeah, I, I, honestly, I don't really have much to say regarding this. Um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, 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 I have really no comment. <laughs> I don't know what to think. I honestly don't know I what know. to think because it's like it, it, it's part fantasy. It's part it, it's part like in your head, um, mm -hmm. you know, who's real, who's not. I, yeah. I'm just happy she's safe at the end. <laughs> But like, that, like I, 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 to be honest, though, I was expecting yeah. the final scenes to be her strapped to a, uh, to a bed because she's gone completely bonkers, and her being an actress was just like a story, kind of like Hill Street mm -hmm. Blues, the kid with the gold snow globe, you know. Um, yeah. I, I thought it was maybe this whole like you know her being a singer was all in her head to begin with, and she's just mm -hmm. a patient at an asylum. I kind of expected that ending, a little Shutter yeah. Island ish, you know. Um, right. But right. Uh, yeah, that uh, didn't come to be. They actually, they actually have a thing for this. Um, it's called a, a fully adieu, adieu, or a fully adieu. Yeah, it's a shared psychosis. Uh, and and or what? Or delusion? Yeah, shared psychosis or delusion, where two people can share the same like delusional beliefs and hallucinations. Um, mm. They, they actually, it's actually uh, not well known, but there's been some actual cases about it. Yeah, it, it they think it actually is what uh, causes like partner serial killers because uh, they uh, both share the same delusional beliefs. Kind of like, kind of like Paul Bernardo and uh, Carla Homolka in Canada. Yeah, because something of that nature. That's interesting. Mm. Yeah, so and it, it usually occurs when people are really close. And Rumi and Mima at the very beginning of the movie are really close, 
And right. I think, you know, the, the idea is that Rumi has kind of pushed this off onto Mima throughout the film, too. Mm. Which is mm. which is an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, definitely. See, so I'm I'm not sure. Look, okay, so kind of my, my final uh, thoughts on this. You know, I'm not sure if me not understanding it is a good thing or a bad thing. I just know that there are just layers upon layers upon layers to the film. And I think, you know, I, to its credit, I think it's an incredibly complex work of work of art. Whether I loved it or not, I'm not sure. It's hard to say. Like, if I'm giving this a star rating, I'm probably giving it three out of four stars. Uh, I'm just, I'm not sure I loved it. I think I was a bit too confused to really appreciate it as much as I hoped. Um, and I also think maybe I'm just trying to push a reality onto it that doesn't need to be there. Mm -hmm. It's more about the experience as opposed to the actuality of the story, maybe. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm giving it three out of four stars. So, Mark, what about you? Um, I, I like some aspects of the film. And mm -hmm. again, I, I like the 80s thrillers, uh, crime thriller throwbacks. At least that's what I yeah. perceived it in my mind. Um, I also saw some, uh, some Scorsese in there. Um, the ending was just too fanatical for fantastical for me. Um, because okay. I just didn't know what was real, what wasn't. Right. Um, and, and I'll be honest, I tried rewatching it today before mm -hmm. this podcast because I watched it last week. Yeah. And because I worked night shifts, I, I fell asleep. Um, so gotcha. Yeah. I, I really wanted to like this movie, but mm -hmm. I don't hate it. I like parts of it. Yeah. Um, again, I'm also shocked at some parts with, uh, you know, the, the simulated rape scene, which was still mm -hmm. rapey, even though it was acting, you know, right. and, and just, I, I'll be honest with you, I was not expecting to see vagina. So I don't know if I should give it an extra <laughs> star or not for that. Um, but <laughs> I think my final rating didn't love it. Didn't hate it. I'm going to give it a two, two out of four. All right. And what about you, Ash? What are your final thoughts on perfect blue? Uh, well, Perfect Blue is one of my favorites. Um, probably one of my favorite anime of all time. I'm actually kind of sad that we don't have a Blu-ray release in the U.S. because I would absolutely buy this again. Um, but uh, I mean, it was one of one of my early, you know, when I was getting into broadening my horizons with anime. Uh, it was one of the one of the first ones, and one of the first ones that my wife and I picked up for our DVD collection. So it was, you know, it's got a special place there, and. I, I think it's, you know, it's an interesting, like you said, there's a lot of layers to it. I and mean, they pack a lot into that 81 minute runtime. I mean, a yeah. lot. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, and I, I think, you know, there's just, it's so cinematic and I, I love, um, kind of Mima's descent here, you know, from being this kind of naive pop star to, you know, kind of figuring out, you know, how screwed up the world can be. Uh, I kind of like that. And I, I liked that they were just kind of no holes barred with like, you know, the, the murder scenes and cause those, wow, those are brutal. Um, <laughs> especially the pizza delivery scene. Oh yeah, my God. Right. Yeah. That's a really well done scene that we hadn't talked about. Yeah. The, the, the pizza delivery scene where, where he just goes to town with a screwdriver. It was just, Oh yeah. I'd forgotten about it when I was rewatching it. It's just like, Oh my God. Um, I don't know. I, I'm gonna have to give it a four out of four for me, um, mm -hmm. just because I, I I've loved it for a long time. So I mean, I've 
watched it a lot. So it's, I don't know, I've kind of, you know, pieced bits and pieces here together over the years, and 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 even here, reading through the plot stuff, I never picked up on the shared delusion thing, so... Yeah. I and we might have talked about it before in our anime group, and I might have forgotten. It's entirely mm-hmm. possible, or talked to my wife about it and forgotten. <laughs> also possible, right. but uh, no, it's just, this is just one of my favorites. So, definitely. I didn't ask you uh, before the. I should ask this before, and I apologize, I didn't. But wh- what? Why did you choose this for an underrated arc? Um, because it's it's one of those ones that it's very under the radar. Like yeah, a lot mm-hmm. of people. Like it's like it's brought up in anime conversations, but it's one of those movies I think that has kind of more of a broad appeal. If like, especially if you like, yeah, I think like like you guys, you know, they don't get it the first time, or then you know, they watch it again, and it's like, oh, okay, you know, they kind of catch on type of thing. And and it, it's, I mean, while it had success and everything in Japan, it's one of those movies that it just it's like, you know, no one really talks about it, and I I think that's a shame. Yeah, definitely. I can definitely see that. All right. So Ash gives Perfect Blue four stars, Mark two, and I give it three stars. So that is 1997's Perfect Blue. Excellent. Next week, we will move on to a 80s comedy, a little less deep, I'm I'm guessing. A whole lot less deep. <laughs> a whole lot less deep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but that one will be my science project. So I'm looking forward. This will actually be the first time I've seen that one as well. So I'm really looking forward to finally checking it out. I used to have Wraith, my science project, and War Games all in the same VHS tape. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a good company. Yeah, I've seen I've seen War Games. I haven't seen Wraith. Oh, that's, oh. that's another good one. Yeah, that's another yeah. good one. Yeah, I mean it's well, it's good for an '80s action B movie, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Oh, Mark, I looked. I was trying to find joysticks. Yeah. On uh, Blu-ray or DVD, and that shit is expensive. The Blu-ray Easy. was almost like fifty bucks. I was oh, like, "Oh my god!" I am so bummed right now. Or I was yeah. bummed at the at uh, at uh, Wasteland because Graydon Clark mm-hmm. had one copy of Joysticks on Blu-ray, and fucking Brett Kissfan at Kissfan on Twitter. We walk up together, <laughs> and he beelines, knowing there'd be probably one or two copies, and picks up for even to get a chance to scan the motherfucking table. Kissman, <laughs> next time at Wasteland in October, we're having a one-on-one match in a parking lot for all the two-fours. The gauntlet has been dropped. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. But he did give me his DVD copy because he was upgrading. I'm like, you son of a bitch. But <laughs> that's what I own now, and it is awesome. Uh, that said, though, for $50, oh, man, it's... I know I like it, so I probably would pay the fifty bucks, but God, <laughs> it's still fifty bucks, and that's fifty US, right? So that's like seventy-five Canadian. Yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. Fucking Kiss fan. <laughs> <laughs> Upsetting. Oh man. Oh. All right. So make sure you guys go to cinefashions.com and vote on which film you'd like to hear us talk about in episode forty-nine. Either, either the Last Starfighter, Rock and Rule, or Zodiac. Zodiac. So make sure you let your voice be heard. And also check out Cinefessions.com, the Star Trek Essentials article going up every Tuesday and Thursday. And I did my latest horror pack unboxing video. I received that, I believe it was Friday, and I think the video went up either Saturday or Sunday, something like that. And uh, so definitely check that out. It's on our YouTube page. You can also find it at Cinefessions.com. So thank you, gentlemen. It was a lot of fun talking about Perfect Blue. It was... um, 
a, it's a difficult film to discuss. There's just ah, so much. It just fucks with your head so much. But uh, I think we I think we did the best that we that we could. So and thank and you guys. There are no fucking Transformers in it. I'm like, what? It's a cartoon. <laughs> what the fuck is this about? You know, Bumblebee could have discovered the plot and like you know ended the movie 20 minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. We'll we'll make a remake and that that'll be our our story. I think I think Bumblebee would have made it worse because <laughs> he would have been like he like I'm a Camaro. Wait, I'm a Volkswagen Beetle. Wait, I'm a you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably would have. I uh, like the dancing though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So again, happy Aliens Day to everyone. Hopefully, you got to watch some alien films this week. And enjoy your your outro music. <laughs> I think we're done. Sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh, uh, I gotta stop doing that. It hurts when I pull it back. <sighs> <laughs> and then you sit oh, on it, man. and then it's numb. Not good. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. So that is that. I want to thank everybody for listening, and we will catch you next time. Everybody and welcome to episode 47 of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name's Brandon Shawan. And joining me tonight, we have Chris Rance. Oh, no, we don't. I'm going to restart that one. I wasn't wow. thinking. I was thinking about what I was going to say next. There, it's my fault. All right, we'll try that one more time. <laughs>